First Timothy chapter 3, which I know is shocking many of you that I'm going to preach out of that, but it is actually going to be the last one in our series that we began a couple of weeks ago on the issue of ministry and ministry standards. As I mentioned in our fellowship, we have a public ministry forum that people who are going to be involved in public ministry are going to agree to certain standards that they will fulfill. And I've named this sermon Cause and Effectiveness. And uh, cause and effect is a common little saying, but cause and effectiveness. Ministry is service to God. And before service to God, it is the desire to be effective in the earth as Randy was testifying, it's not everyone's job or calling to go. God has not planned that. That's not the purposes of God. He doesn't want everyone in here to be sent out. What he does want is everyone in here to be involved in his work. And that's going to be at different levels. That's going to be in different positions. There's many parts to a body as Paul writes in Corinth, he says sometimes the less comely members, the less pretty members are the least important. You know, believe it or not, ladies, you could survive without your hair. I know some of you don't believe that, but it's true. You could survive, but you can't survive without a liver. You can't survive without, you know, uh, uh, you know, you can, uh, to some degree, you can survive without one of your lungs, but, you know, it makes it more difficult, right? You know how many, you got up and you probably did your hair, but you probably didn't think about your liver, right? That's life. And so in, in the kingdom of God, it is like that. Uh, and so we've been looking at these standards, bringing this out, understanding. And so I want to talk about cause and effectiveness 1 Timothy 3, we've read this number of weeks. This is Paul's list of standards, biblical list of one of the lists that are in there. This is a faithful saying, and if any, uh, if any man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. I'm reading out of the King James this time. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospi- hospitable, able to teach. Not giving a wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having uh, his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice or a new convert, as being puffed up with pride, he fall into the condemnation or the same condemnation as the devil." Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, this is outside the church, lest he fall into reproach and have a, uh, and the snare of the devil. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to wine, not greedy for money, not uh, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience, but, uh, but letting those be first tested and then, uh, then serve as deacons being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderous, temperate, faithful in all things. Let the deacons uh, be the husband of one wife, uh, ruling their children and their own houses well. 
For those who have served as deacons, obtain for themselves good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. I want to talk to you firstly about the cause of ministry. If we're going to understand why we have standards as minist- in ministry, we have to understand what is the purpose of ministry. The purpose of ministry is not to show your talent off. There are very talented people. And absolutely, I've played with talented musicians, very, very talented musicians. But at the end of the concert, the goal is not to show how talented you are. It's to serve Jesus and to give the opportunity for the gospel to be preached. This is true in, uh, in services. It's not about a big, great ability and such. It is about serving the Lord Jesus Christ and giving the opportunity for the gospel and the kingdom of God to be glorified. Ministry is about serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In our text, it says in verse 10, let them also be tested. Let them serve as deacons being found blameless. Now, what's very interesting is if you follow that through in the Greek, what he's saying is let them serve as being servants. The word deacon comes out of the word for a waiter, actually in a restaurant. That would actually be what it was, a table waiter. This probably came out of Acts chapter 6, the very first ministry after the apostles were seven table waiters. Seven people taking care of the church cafeteria, basically, as which was mentioned in conference. Mark chapter 10, verses 45 And uh, 44 and 45, Jesus says, Whoever desires to be first shall be slave of all or servant of all. For the Son of Man did not come to, to, uh, to be served, but to serve and give his life ransom for many. So he's saying ministry is service. It's first of all service to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is service to God himself. It is then service... To other people. It is facilitating what God wants to do and making that possible for others to experience God. And that's the first and foremost of ministry. Ministry is also to be an example for others. What Paul says over and over in like Philippians 3.17, brethren, join in following my example. And note those who walk as you have uh, us for a pattern. He says, you want to know how to live for God? It's those in ministry. You can follow those. You want to know what's righteous, how to love your wife, how to take care of, how to pray, how to outreach. It's following those who are in ministry. Those who have been exalted into a place or lifted up. Paul's saying, he's not saying don't, uh, uh, that you shouldn't look at me or you shouldn't know, but he's saying you can follow my example because I am living as a Christian. And if you want to know how to live as a Christian, that's what, this is what you should follow. Jesus said in John thirteen fifteen, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Again, ministries just wash their feet. 
He's brought them in. He's shown them this is the way it is. And it's example for others. The question it would be in ministry, if people did what you do, would they be a Christian? Would they be drawing closer to Christ or further from Christ? Because ministry is also a responsibility, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time. This is what we looked at last week. That it's you're responsible for something, and you should be growing in that. And it shouldn't be stagnant. It shouldn't be just what it was decades ago. But it's an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to move. Because ministry is a cause. It's the cause of God in the world. It's the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world. It's not to highlight talents and abilities. This is one thing that drives me crazy with the Dove Awards. Oh, aren't they great? But the problem is they've given the Dove Awards to adulterers and to all, to all sorts of people with immoral problems. And they say, we make no judgments on that. They're just judging talent. They're not judging the effectiveness of Christianity in the world. One man was caught, found out he was having an affair with one of the girls in one of his backup singers. And he tried to give the award back and they wouldn't take it. He finally, he just threw it away. He said, I, don't, I wasn't being a Christian. I shouldn't receive a Christian's reward. So let's talk then, because this is standards. It's about how you live. Not about just how you perform, but how you live. That's what standards are. Our text here deals with things like how he handles money, how they, do they gossip, do they love their wives, do they take care of their children. These aren't just simple, can they do what they say, you know, can they perform a task? Most of you who have jobs, secular jobs, it, you, if you work uh, as a re- in a restaurant or, you know, as a carpenter or a bank or whatever you might do, they don't measure your morals. They don't measure other than, you know, maybe criminal. You know, it'd be kind of hard to work in a bank and be, you know, uh, have a bunch of felonies on your record. I get that. But as far as morals, they're not looking, they're not asking, are you doing what, you know, how do you live? How's your relationship? Those aren't issues because that's just a task. But ministry goes far, far beyond that into lifestyle, into how you conduct yourself both in life and in, especially in the realm of morals. There has to be a confidence that those who are ministering are actually living to it. Jesus warned, Matthew chapter 23 is a whole indictment against the Pharisees, against the religious of the day. And he said, he spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat... Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but not according to their works, for they say and do not do. So the standards that they claim to live by, they don't actually live by them. 
Now, Jesus says, you're still responsible to do what's right. Some people will say, well, he didn't do what's right. She didn't do what's right. Therefore, I don't have to do what that. And that's not going to work on Judgment Day. You're not going to be able to say, well, I would have done what's right, except someone wronged me along the way, or someone violated this, or whatever. And so, therefore, I'm excused. There's people who try to use that, but the problem is, it doesn't work with God. You're still responsible to do what is right. And that's why in these standards that we have, if you don't live to them, you don't really have ministry. And from time to time, discipline has to be brought. People have to be removed from a ministry because they're not living right. How many of you have ever seen the sign on a restaurant? No shoes, no shirt, no service. There's a, there used to be a, 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 a sub-chain, a submarine uh, chain like Subways that used to have no, it was called... Slotskis. And it said, no shoeskis, no shirtskis, no slotskis. That was their sign. But in this, in the reality of standards, Paul writes to the Corinthian church in chapter 9, verse 27. He says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training what I should do. Otherwise, I fear that after I've preached to others, I myself would become disqualified. The Olympics have had their share of disqualifications. People who have been disqualified for drugs in the sense of enhancement drugs. Kevin Johnson, the Canadian runner, set all kinds of world records uh, and then was disqualified because he was taking performance-enhancing drugs. They disqualified him. That he, His name was stripped. His records are gone. He, he, it's as if he never had done it because he violated the rules and was disqualified. Our paper brings out just some very simple ones. That you will be faithful to church and to your ministry. You're not going to have a ministry if you don't show up to practices. If you're in a band or in a drama team or something and you don't go to any of the practices, but you expect to show up and minister, you're mistaken. That's not the way life works. But in our, te- in our standards, there's also the issue of tithing. You can be removed from ministry if you are not tithing. Why would we want that spirit of covetousness in the ministry? Why would we want someone who isn't willing to support the local church ministering in the local church? It doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? We, we would remove people for... Sometimes uh, who get into rebellion. It's a legitimate thing to remove people from ministry. We remove people for moral violations. 
for fornication and adultery. You know, you're not going to have ministry too long if you're sleeping around when you shouldn't be. But also that would include pornography. That would include include inappropriate social ministry, uh, social ministry, social media postings. That you're putting up lewd pictures or you're saying things that would be compromising to the Christian moral standards. I don't police these things, but from time to time they come out and I have to deal with them. I know recently Pastor Greg had to deal with an individual. He mentioned this at the Cape Cod Bible Conference who was going on Tinder and hooking up with different people. And he wasn't confessing what he was doing. And they asked him, they said, why, why, you know, why? Well, I didn't want to lose my ministry. Like, that was gone a long time ago. He was put out of the church because it had been such a long-going violation that he had to be sat down. But when you violate these kinds of things... You are not just violating the principle. Now, you say, well, what does that have to do with my ability to sing in key? Or to run a soundboard or to, you know, pass the offering plate or to play on the plate? What would that have to do with anything like that? It's a spiritual issue. Because what you're saying is, I will serve the Lord Jesus on my terms, not on his And if your cause is not right, your effectiveness will not be right. See, because others are watching. Like I said, Pastor Campo used to say when I was a new convert, if someone was handcuffed to you for 48 hours, would they become a Christian? If they went where you went, heard what you heard, heard what you said, watched what you watched, would they become a Christian. I was, you know, it's amazing the influence we have on other people. At conference, I had a, uh, you know, I, I normally carry my little briefcase there, but I get a backpack for conference because it's just easier to fly with. It's easier just to have water bottles and different things in it. And I had somebody come up to me and they go, I got a backpack because I saw you had a backpack. Wow. That's no big deal. 20 bucks, you buy a backpack on Amazon, whatever. Another pastor told me, oh, you red eye at home at Friday. I'm going to try that. And I'm like, wow, because we have influence on each other. We have influence on each other, the way we live. And this is why when other people are watching, it's even little things. It's swearing. It's smoking. Paul writes, Romans 14, 21, It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or anything else that might cause another believer to stumble. Says, you know what? The example that you're putting forth, 
I can't tell you, smoking's not in the Bible. I can't tell you that if you had one glass of wine, you're this you're raging sinner and on your way. I can't tell you that biblically. But I can tell you it's a very bad example for others. But this is also true on the positive. Do you read your Bible? Would others see it? Would others know it? Prayer? Witnessing? These become issues of effectiveness. Because ministry's ultimate goal is to please God. To have the smile of God on your life. That you are doing something that gives Him glory and He's happy for it. Because that is what ministry is. You want to know what it is? That's what it is. And that's why I can tell you there's people at the conference. You know, think about Prescott. If you're, if you're in nursery for the week on, in a place like Cape Cod Conference, you can get away from there and go to either Tucson or Prescott to their conference. You're in the press, if you're in the Tucson church or in the Chandler church or you serve in, in, you know, maybe you're missing all the sermons because of donuts or parking lots, uh, whatever it might be in Chandler or, or in, in, in different other places. We have conferences. You can go to Prescott. Where do Prescott people go? Where do they go? And yet, I go back. And I see some of the same people for years still serving in the nursery, still serving in the children's church, still serving donuts and, and all. And it's not, no surprise to me that Mike, uh, you know, Mike and Debbie still do the donuts, that John, uh, you know, John and his wife, uh, Doris, do, still do the children's church and still have many of the same people that Rachel and, and Jen and some of the others that are always behind the nursery counter and have been there for years are still serving. That Bill Desjardin is still preventing people from bringing anything more than bottled water into the sanctuary. That these people still serve and do what they do because the pleasure of God is upon them. And I know in their lifestyle, and I know that they still fulfill all the other responsibilities of Christianity. Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells the disciples, 31 and 32, But seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He says, seek it, and it's God's good pleasure to give it to you. That as we serve in ministry, the blessing of God, God giving us what we maybe don't deserve, far beyond. Mark chapter 9, verse 41, whoever gives a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, that he will by no means lose his reward. That God is pleased in our service. That when we're serving him, he looks and he says, that is someone I can bless. I can help. 
I can, I can do something in the world through them. Blessing comes upon those who God is pleased with. Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unjust, and he will not forget how hard you have worked for him, and how you have shown your love to him by caring for others as you still do. God looks at our service and ministry. Sometimes it's just little things, but he's pleased with that. That when we're bringing the whole lifestyle into that and we're not, you know, out gallivanting and selling drugs or whatever, you know, those things that would be disqualifying. God says, I'm I'm pleased with that. Because it's in ministry that one thing leads to another. Matthew chapter 25, verse 23, the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling a small amount. Now while I will give you many more responsibilities, let's celebrate together. This is, of course, the picture of the talents that they take out and they invest. And God is pleased because they invested it for the master. Now the master comes and says, well done. I'm going to give you more. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest with the little things, you will be dishonest with greater responsibility. If you will serve God where you're at, do what you need to do, doors will open. And they're not always connected Some will look at that as the ministry escalator. And I have seen this personally in my own life. That as I've been faithful doing one thing, God opened a door, gave me more responsibility, gave me more responsibility, on and on and on. That's been a blessing. But sometimes they're unrelated. Sometimes it's like, oh, you're the one who is faithfully cleaning the church. I'm going to give you Carrie Beckman as a wife. Okay, I'll go with that. Right? That God moves and opens doors. Because to whom he can trust in the small things. And this is where ministry is seen. It's in the small things. It's in the, my new, my first ministries. Where yes, I got to play bass on the platform, but I also got to clean toilets. I did that for a year and a half. Setting up chairs and cleaning the church. Linked to maybe being on staff in Prescott? I don't know. See, God lets us. That's what Pastor Mitchell would say all the time. You know what? God lets us be involved in his work in the earth. He doesn't have to let us. He doesn't have to use us. He doesn't have to use any of us. Are we perfect? No. Not at all. But God still uses us. And again, perfect doesn't mean you're not doing, you know, well, now good, I can cheat on my wife. No, 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 no. That's not what it means. 2 Corinthians 4.1, Therefore, 
Since we have received this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. In most translations, that has an exclamation point with it. He says, we have received this ministry. This is the Apostle Paul, who has gone through jail, beatings, betrayals. He's been lied about, slandered. He's been run out of cities. Uh, He's gone through all this. This is 2 Corinthians. This is later in his ministry. In fact, in verse 11, he's going to, chapter 11 rather, he's going to list, you know, spend a day in the night and see, beat by brethren, betrayed, this, that, that, this, this. And it's like, you know, he goes, but he says, we've received this ministry. God lets us preach the gospel. God lets us be involved in his work. God lets us. That's, he's fascinated by this. He uses this same terminology in Ephesians 3, 7, and 8, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God giving to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who is less than all the least of the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Picture the awe. God lets us be involved in his work. He doesn't need us, but he lets us. And so whatever ministries you have, Whatever place of responsibility, opportunity to serve, the risen Savior, God lets us. And the fact that he asks you, keep your eyeballs in your head, be faithful and do your task, not someone else's, pay your tithe, The fact that he asks us to live moral. Not have the double tongued like it says in our text. All of the, the fact that he asks, he lets us be involved. That's a small, a small request on his part. One thing that impressed me. And I got to spend quite a bit of time driving up and down from the airport with Pastor Mitchell. Is Pastor Mitchell's awe of God using him. He would just share stories and he'd laugh. He'd go, oh, people think it was so spiritual that I had this plan. And he goes, I'm stumbling into it. I'm figuring it out as it goes. I'm, I, you know, I, you know, you know, like people would say, you know. Uh, you know, my wife asked him one time, how'd you meet Sister Mitchell? And he goes, oh. he goes, yeah, some people think angels were singing. She, honestly, she was the prettiest girl on the dance floor. That's what he said. They were in a bar. He said, she's the prettiest girl on the dance floor. And if you ever saw any pictures of Sister Mitchell when she was a young woman, yes, she was probably the prettiest girl on the dance floor. Right? It wasn't angels singing. He just, he, he struck, he married, and they get saved. And God uses him, and through his ministry, he realizes, you know what? We need to just embrace some of the biblical standards. Standards that should be assumed by every Christian. Because these aren't really standards of ministry, are they? 
They're really not. We have them. If you're going to minister, yes, you're going to be faithful, paying your tithe, keeping your eyeballs in your head, have a pornography blocker and not have a television and all those things. Why? Well, I've ministered back. You can go and listen to those if you really want to know all the details of each one of those. But they're not just for the ministers. They really are for every Christian. You're not going to make it for Christ if you don't pay your tithe. You don't come to church. If you don't read your Bible. If you don't pray. If you're, you know, watching all sorts of garbage all day long. You're not going to make it for Christ. It's just not going to happen. If you're still drinking and smoking and stuff. I know people who have done that and they still come to church and they do it for years. It's like, yeah, but there's always a blockage. There's always a limitation. There's always a place where they can't seem to break through. Because that's not just about ministry. It's about Christianity. It's about serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And from the newest convert to the oldest saint. These all apply. They're just basic Christianity 101. If you'll embrace the cause of ministry, not to show off your talent, not because you've been around long enough to, to be in that position or anything like that, but because you're serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the standards become, of course. Of course I would do that. Of course I wouldn't want to violate my mind. Of course I wouldn't violate my marriage. Of course I wouldn't violate God's financial plan. Of course I wouldn't violate his plan of assembly. Of course I wouldn't. Because this isn't about anything else but God. That's why these standards really are not fellowship standards. They're biblical standards. Biblical standards that our fellowship has embraced. And that if we live by them, we'll be blessed. If we refuse, you disqualify yourself from ministry, not because we got to hide this from pastor. I took over a church, not this church, thank God, but I took over a church where the drummer, who was a female, was having an affair with a, guy, another, a married man. And other people knew about it. And nobody wanted to say anything. Like, that's a problem. I actually did um, one meeting on these ministry standards. She came to me. She said, I'm, I've got some problems. Would you pray? I asked her straight out, are you living right? She never came back to church. And then I found out all that was going on. And every one of those people who knew that was going on and didn't say anything either were immoral themselves or eventually spun out because their cause wasn't Christ. Their cause was social. Their cause was whatever. We get to do this. We get to do this. I close with this little illustration. Uh, Pastor, I, I shared this in Serious Man. That's why it came to mind. But Pastor Martin Clark came to preach a revival in Prescott, Arizona. I've known Pastor Martin for many years. He's 
Uh, I preached for him. He's preached for me. He's, we're going to try to get him one time, stopping by a conference on his way to conference. Good, good man. Marlise, his wife, and my wife are good friends. And he looked at me. He said, wow, you must have done something right to deserve being on staff in Prescott. And I said, Martin, I deserve hell. I get to do this. And he's like, well, you know, yeah, but still, you, you know, being a missionary or something. I'm like, no, it's, I don't, we, I get to do this. Conversation stopped. My wife walked over and he said the same thing to her. He must have done something right. Or, and she gave him the same answer. No, I deserve help. But I get to do this. And we hadn't discussed, we, it was not like we set this up that if someone tells us this is going to be our answer, it wasn't like that. We get to do this. We get to be involved in ministry. Grasp that. We get to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the standards are simple, straightforward, something you want to do because they're the right thing to do. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Lifestyle is important. When you're not a Christian, you live a lifestyle for sin. You live a lifestyle for self-pleasure. You live a lifestyle for yourself. But the good news is, Jesus Christ died for our sins. And when you ask him into your heart, what should change is that you no longer live For yourself, you're now living for him. You're now living for Christ, the one who died for you and rose again from the dead, who loves you with a great love. God's mercy and kindness is there. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we get to do this that's amazing and maybe you're here this this evening and you're not right with God the fact that we get to be in the presence of God that we get to serve him on some level or capacity is amazing when we should be separated for him from all eternity because of our own actions and our own disobedience, he still receives us. And maybe you're here this evening, you, you're not right with God, but you'd like to be. You need prayer. I wonder if you'd very quickly just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need Jesus. Thank God. Anyone else want to join an honest heart? Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe as I mention these kinds of sins, you go, oh, well, you know, I'm not in ministry, so I guess it's okay if I do. It's not. It's not. It has to do with your relationship with God. You're backslidden. You want to get your heart right. Slip up your hand very quickly. Amen. You lifted your hand. Would you look at me? You mean that, don't you? Would you come? Someone's going to pray with you real quick. I need a sister very quickly to pray with Star. Who would do that very quickly? Sharon, would you? Just lead her in a sinner's prayer. Thank you for coming. It's good to see you again. 
Just kneel down right here. Our sister's going to pray with you. We're going to open these altars. We're going to allow people to find a place to talk to God. We get to do this. Never lose that all. Christ is my